0: Good morning. You may be seated. Thank you for being with us today. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. I am tempted to try and have a church vote today. Uh, to just get you all to agree that on days when the weather's like this, even into the future, we just make an immediate decision to move worship outside. It is beautiful, and I'm so glad that can be, we can be outside together this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. Before you go there, uh, for those, that, those of you who were in life groups this morning, you saw these in your boxes, and you're going to hear a lot more about this little card. If you didn't see these, um, uh, we will try our best to figure out some way to get them outside um, before uh, this is over so you could grab some. I tell you what, Tom, they're, they're stacked in a box in Autumn's office, and we can bring some out. You can grab some. Um, but uh, uh, these are, um, are going to serve two purposes for us this month. We've, we've invited other churches to participate with us in this. Uh, through the month of October, we're going to be praying toward an opportunity to engage our neighbors um, so it's going to take me a minute to explain. So on October 31st, historically, we've done a large fall festival here. Last year, even in the rain, we still had about 16 or 1,700 people. Um, obviously, this year, for all the, the pandemic joy, we're not going to be doing anything like that. We're going to do something here. We're probably going to do um, a low-key drive-through, trunk-or-treat event, uh, mostly because there's going to be some people that show up here just because we've been doing it for 10 years and they're going to be looking for something. Um, others of you, we're just going to encourage you uh, that if you're at home and you live in one of those neighborhoods where folks might be trick-or-treating, uh, that you will, will use that as an opportunity to engage with your neighbor, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the month of October praying for our community and for our county in particular, um, and praying toward an opportunity to share the gospel. That opportunity is going to come, hopefully, for a lot of folks on October the 31st, but we're going to be praying toward those opportunities, whether it happens um, as trick-or-treaters come to your house, or whether it happens at a trunk-or-treat here, or whether it happens over lunch tomorrow afternoon. We're going to be praying for that. And the reason we've had all these cards printed is so that we can put them in your hands And you can hand these to people, um, whether they, again, show up at your house for a trick-or-treat or show up here, or whether you just run into somebody on the street. And what they say on the front is light the night, and on the back it says the churches of Kershaw County have joined together to pray this month. We've prayed for you and for a chance to meet with you. Um, and so we're praying for five things this month, and we're going to take one Sunday out of each month to pray for four of them. And then we're going to ask you all to join with us on Saturday, October 31st, to pray the fifth together while we're, we're separated in our homes. So we're going to pray for unity in our community, we're going to pray for wisdom for our leaders, we're praying for safety during COVID 19. We're praying for revival among our churches and we're praying for an awakening in our community. And so you can understand why we've reserved that last one for that day when we believe that we may have the greatest opportunity to encounter uh, folks that need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. So uh, each Sunday during the month of October, we will pray for one of these. So we're going to pray for unity this Sunday, next Sunday for wisdom for our leaders and so on. Um, So these will be available to you if you want to put it in your car, stick it on your, your mirror in your bathroom so that you can be reminded about the things that we as a church are going to be praying for. God works in response to the prayers of his people And so we are going to be praying that God would work. And so those are the things that we're going to be praying for. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you would join with me. And we're going to pray specifically for unity within our own community. Join with me. Father God, we thank you for loving us and for meeting with us today. Father, And we come to you specifically, Lord, praying for our community. Father, we know that our country faces an election. We know that even today our president, Lord God, is hospitalized with COVID-19. Father, all of those things are of concern to us and we lift them up to you. But Lord God, we believe that the greatest opportunity we have for change in this world is right here in our own backyard, impacting our neighbors and those around us. And so today we come and we pray for our community. We pray for racial and political tensions to be healed. We pray for hearts to be opened Lord God, we pray that neighbors would know one another. And we pray, Lord God, above all else, that the people of God would be a people of light, carrying the hope, the love, the goodness of Jesus Christ to a world that is in desperate need. Father God, I pray for our schools, pray for our teachers. Lord God, we pray for athletes and coaches and band members and all those folks, Lord God, who are active in our community. We pray for doctors and nurses. Lord God, we even pray for those who will work polls in a few weeks. Lord God, we pray for our community. Lord God, show us how we can be ambassadors for Jesus Christ right here in Camden, South Carolina, in Kershaw County, and in all the places where you send us. Forgive us, God, for our sin. And Father, as we consider your word in just a few moments, I pray you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from it. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who breaks down every barrier and breaks every chain, we pray. Amen. I hope that you will make a serious commitment to prayer this month um, and, 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 and that you would pray that God would be at work. I believe that this time of challenge from the pandemic and the politics and all the other things that are going on in the world around us opens an incredible door for the work of God's people and for the work of God's Holy Spirit. So let's not sit on the sidelines. It's time for the church to engage with the world around us. Let's not sit on the sidelines. Let's make sure that we are doing business with the Lord on our knees and advocating and interceding on behalf of those who need to hear this life-saving hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 as we kind of shift gears. Hebrews 12 we're going to read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray one more time. Father God, I pray that your word would be powerful and that you would work in spite of me. That, Father God, those who would hear this message, whether they be here present among us, Lord God, or viewing it online, that, Father, they would see Jesus. That, Father God, I would be nothing but a conduit. Lord, I pray that your word would be strong and powerful. Speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. This morning I've titled this sermon, Run Your Race, and I want to ask you this question, what is holding you back? What is holding you back? I'm doing something right now that I've never done before. Um, I'm doing this workout thing on social media. Now, I'm, I'm not, I use social media to kind of put up stuff for the church and other things like that, and and that that's about it. I'm, I'm not real witty, so it doesn't do me any good to like put funny stuff up there because it's not, it's not actually funny, so, um, uh, but uh, I, I'm doing this workout thing this group and uh they basically post a workout every day um and uh and i'm trying to do them for a month and and i'll be honest some of them are absolutely brutal some of these workouts they're putting i i I believe that that whoever writes these things may have a video uh, where they just watch me suffer as a result of all this i'm not entirely sure uh, but there are two things that kind of keep you going when you're doing this stuff. First of all, you know you're not alone, right? So I, I actually, it's not just a social media. I got media thing for me. I got some other friends who are doing this as well. So I got texted a, a buddy the other morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. I said, how was it? He said, I'm finished, and it was awful. And, y'all, the fact that he was finished with his workout at 5 a.m. just made me feel so insignificant about my life. Um, but uh, uh, so there's, there's that. You're, you're not all by yourself. And then there's this other thing. You can see the end, right? Wouldn't it be terrible if, if your workout wasn't written on a piece of paper and you could see where you were going, but you just had somebody that was going, okay, this is next, and this is next, and this is next, you weren't sure when or if it would ever end. When we approach Hebrews chapter 12. We're given this, this message, this encouragement to endure, but we're given this encouragement to endure with at least... Two words of promise. The first is the word that you are not alone. There's this great cloud of witnesses who's going on before you, who is around you. You're not all by yourself. The second thing we're told is that there's going to be an end. There's a goal in sight. I know that the days may be hard today, but the day is coming when I will be united with Jesus, when I can stand with my Savior. The question for us then is, what's holding us back from running this race well? The first thing I think we see this morning, if we're going to run this Christian race well, is that we've got to trim down. We've got to get rid of some stuff. The Bible says, get rid of the sin and the weight that holds you back. Not every hindrance to your spiritual growth is sin. Did you see that? He says, get rid of the sin But then he goes on and he says, lay aside every weight. So there's a weight and a sin. Now, we generally talk mostly about the sin that we need to get rid of in our life, and that's for good reason. Sin will absolutely hamper our spiritual growth. But do you know that sin is not the only thing that will get in the way of your spiritual growth. There are other weights that sort of get in the way. Some of those things that don't necessarily rise to the level of maybe idolatry, but just a distraction or hindrance. I participated in the track team when I was in high school. I did not run. None of you find that to be all that shocking. Uh, I was a thrower. But track teams often show up to track meets and warm-up suits with long pants and jackets and all the other things that are going on there. Uh, and, and it's not just track teams. Basketball teams do that. All sorts of people do that. They show up in sweatshirts and, and jackets. Uh, but when they get ready to play, when they get ready to participate, they take all that stuff off, don't they? They, they shed their warm-up pants. They get rid of their hoodies. Um, because all of those things get in the way of their of their competition. Now those warm up suits aren't bad, right? They they just have a particular place. They have a particular purpose. Y'all, there's some things in our life that are kind of like that. They're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but it might be that they just get in the way of any of of, of our efforts to grow spiritually. There's some things that we need to cast off. Not because they're sinful, but just because they're not the best opportunity for us. I'll give you a personal example. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. The biggest reason we don't have a television in our bedroom, or one of the biggest reasons, is because when I turn a TV on, I finish whatever I'm watching. All right? So if I turn it on, and if it's a bad movie, like a terrible movie, But I started at 9.30, and it's going to go to 11.30. If I start it, I'm going to finish it. There's just this weird thing about me. I don't turn it off. Okay? Now, is the television necessarily sinful? No. But I know that if there's a TV in my bedroom, I'm not going to sleep as much as I need to. I'm going to then be angry because I'm tired all the time, right? So we just don't have one. Now, that's not necessarily fair to Angela because, like, she can turn it on and turn it off, and it doesn't bother her. That we all have different things that might get in the way. What are the things spiritually in your life that might not... Y'all, we've got paper flying everywhere. This is like the best day ever. I appreciate the fact that all y'all keep pretending like these papers aren't flying all over the place. It's like we're all in this uh, this goal of, of ignoring all the obvious things happening around us. Maybe there's a sermon illustration there, right? We're just throwing off all the things that are getting in the way. Yeah, you like that? That's I I, what I should have done. See, I, I failed, guys. I'm sorry. But what, what are some of those things maybe spiritually that get in the way of your, of your spiritual growth? Have, have you ever taken the time to actually consider, is this a good thing or a bad thing for me because of how it affects me spiritually? It might be something as simple as, what time do you get up in the morning? Or what do you do for your entertainment options? Or, or what time do you go to bed at night? See, the TV thing is a a funny thing, but I know, for instance, that if I'm going to make time to spend in God's Word tomorrow morning, I've got to get in bed at a certain time tonight. So some of the things that I've got to cast off might not be sinful things. They're just things that get in the way of me being able to do the best things for my life, especially the best things spiritually. When you think about those things that help you to grow as a follower of Jesus, we tend to generally... Think about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines would include things like prayer, Bible reading, Bible memorization, silence and solitude, journaling, personal evangelism. What are the things in your life that get in the way of you accomplishing those purposes? What keeps you from reading God's Word? What keeps you from spending time with, in, in, in meditation and silence and solitude? I think all of us could agree that this is one of the, the worst ones, Right? I mean, how easy is it when you're just, you know, sitting there doing nothing and your mind begins to wander, you get a little bit bored, you just reach into your pocket, you pull this out and go, "What? what's going on here? What's the latest update on the president's health condition? Or what's the latest, how, how, what, what's the prediction of how many more games my Gamecocks are going to lose? Or who's who's the next coach in waiting? I mean, we got all these things we're wrestling through right now. We can run to all that stuff. But do we ever stop to say, hey, is this actually helping me or hurting me? Is this helping or hampering my, my spiritual growth? Y'all, what are the things that get in the way of running after Jesus? What are the things that you just need to cast off, the things you just need to trim away? What are those things that you just need to pull off and just get rid of? Huh? What, what, what might those things be? Perhaps you need to pray to the Lord and ask. God, show me those things that are getting in the way of my spiritual growth. So, number one, trim down. Number two, run your race. It's true that there's a collective race for all of us to run, and we understand that, right? So, we are all running together with endurance this race toward Jesus. But in addition to this collective race we're all running, do you know that you all have your own race to run? One of those conversations that we have in our home a lot of times is this one. This is not your business you don't need to be involved in this situation. Okay? Get your nose in that room and out of this room. Or get your nose out of this conversation. Sometimes we can get so caught up in how somebody else is working in their life or how God's at work or how it is that their Christian journey might look that we, we lose track of the fact that we are called to run our own Christian race. And listen, your race isn't mine. You don't have the same struggles or obstacles that I have, and I don't have the same struggles or obstacles that you have. But we're called to run our own race. We can moan and gripe and complain, or we can do everything without arguing or complaining. We can believe in faith that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, or we can sit around and go, why me? Yet God's called you to run your race. Why were you born poor and someone else was born rich? I don't know. Why do you struggle with sickness and somebody else doesn't have those health concerns? I don't know. But rich or poor, sick or well, that is your race or it's my race and I'm called to run it with endurance. We live in a world filled with victims. It has become cool to be a victim and the more ways that i can identify my victimhood the better off we are but at some point as followers of jesus we have to stop making excuses for why it is i'm not running with endurance and start running to jesus Y'all, all the excuses and all the complaints I can have about why my life is bad or why you've got it better, none of that matters because what God's called me to do is not to be you or not to be somebody else. God has called me to be faithful in the race that he has put me in and to run it with endurance. What is endurance? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Endurance does not equal enjoyment. Endurance does not equal enjoyment. There is much in the Christian life that is joy-filled, but there are things in the Christian life that are not enjoyable. We're not told to enjoy them, but simply to endure them. Why? Because we expect there's something else, uh, else out ahead of us. This, this is the part where I kind of want to jump into some encouragement to say this part to you. Not just that you're to run your race, I want to tell you that you can run your race. You can. You can endure. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, but God is faithful. And He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist, He will provide a way of escape. That's His promise in 1 Corinthians. He will provide you a way of escape. He won't put you in a position where you will fail. He will put you in a position where you can thrive. But folks, it won't always be enjoyable. Sometimes we just have to embrace the struggle. We have to endure it because there's something else laid out ahead of us. There's something on the other side. Angela ran a half marathon a few years ago and, um, uh, we, I, I, I had to keep the children, so I wasn't able to to enjoy that with her. Um, I mean, some, somebody has to, you know. We couldn't both do it, so I, I, I fell on the sword and I, I took care of the children. Real sacrifice on my part. Um, but, but what I did with the kids is that uh, we ate breakfast that morning and drank a lot of coffee, and then we got in the car and we drove to where the finish line was going to be. And we had to sweat waiting on her. It was miserable. It was pitiful. Um, it really was. But we stood at that finish line, and you could see people. They kind of come, come into the home stretch, and they'd lay eyes on the finish line, and you could see them. They're, they're just struggling. They're dying. But when the finish line comes into sight, what do they do? I can do this. I can actually make it. There are people cheering. But, you know, everybody had to run their own race. There's some people that come around that finish line and they look like they had been beat half to death, right? We have some other friends who ran the half marathon, finished it, and then went backwards to find other people to run with them and encourage them. Y'all, that's a kind of thing that I don't even understand. Like, I can't even, oh, good for you. I can't even wrap my brain around that kind of torture. But when you can lay eyes on the finish line, it gives you what you need. Y'all, you've got to endure because there's something laid out ahead of you. But run your race. Don't worry about what the guy beside you is doing. Run your race. Wyatt, not Wyatt, Sloan was at football practice the other day. and Wyatt and I left. We were watching him. I'm going to pick on you, pal. He was at football practice, and Sloan's a fast kid, and he's fun. We love watching him run. Uh, But he's running the other day. They had a race at practice, and he's running like this. He looked like, um, y'all remember that movie, The Incredibles, Dash, little kid that looks behind him the whole time he's running. That's what he looked like. He's looking behind him, and we're screaming, look at where you're going, turn around. Run your race. Don't worry about that guy. Go win. Run your race. Y'all listen to me. Quit looking around at everybody else. Run your race. Is your race harder than the guy beside you? It might be. It's also possible that you think it is, but you have no idea what's actually going on in that person's life. You have no earthly idea about the struggles that they may be having. Run your race. And then number three this morning, and this kind of bleeds over, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Hebrews says he is the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher, the, the progenitor, the founder of our faith. Look to Jesus. We look to Jesus for two reasons. We look to Jesus first as our example. He did it. We can look to him and say he endured the cross, setting aside its shame, and Jesus did it. He overcame the world. We also look to him as the finish line. We look to him as the finish line because that's where we're headed. He is the hope of glory. I grow a bit fatigued with folks who don't like to talk about our life after this one. Now, I, I believe it's true that at times Christianity has become so heavenly focused that it seems to be of no earthly good. And we have to be super careful about that. James warned about that when he wrote, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Folks, we've got a responsibility, not just to talk to them about Jesus and life to come, but to do all we can to care for people right here today. As we run our Christian race, we need to be aware of ditches on either side. One ditch is the ditch that only talks about the life to come with Christ and doesn't have any significant care for the world around us. But the other one, the other ditch is the one that sees the Christian life as only interested in what is happening in this world without any thought to eternity. Christianity is a religion that focuses on eternal life. Eternal life is the promise of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He endured because of the prize set before him. And when it is all said and done, the reason that we live the Christian faith, the reason that we share the hope of the gospel, the reason that we follow the commands of Christ is that there is something ahead of us. There is a prize to be obtained. We have hope in a better life to come. What's slowing you down from running your race? What's holding you back? Maybe there's too many things that you're letting cling to. You need to get them off of you. Maybe you're focused on everybody else's race. You're not worried about your own race. But folks, it might be that for some of you, you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're not looking at where you're going. You forgot. You forgot that there's a goal out in front of you. And you can't see it right now. Maybe the concerns, the worries, the troubles of life have gotten in the way. But, folks, just up around the next turn, if you can just make it, you're going to catch sight of what's out in front of you. Some of you aren't running well because you've forgotten that there's actually a goal. There's a finish line. Some of you aren't running so well because you're, threatened, you're tempted to give up because you forgot where you're going. Folks, you're going to Jesus. And it's going to be wonderful. There's hope for eternity. There's hope for a life to come. Look to Jesus. He's done the work for you. He's also the example you need to follow. Jesus is the finish line. And he is the finish line that gives us the strength to carry on. You know, we, we, we're we slowly, I think all of us, maybe some of us faster than others, but we're slowly kind of emerging from what has been this, this like, COVID thing, right? Uh, it seems like each day we find a little bit more return to, to normalcy. There's something else around the corner. It's a little bit better. But really for about a month and a half or two months uh, at least, when when, like, almost everything was shut down, nothing was normal, um the 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 greatest struggle for me and for for many of you was that we didn't even know what day it was right it just seemed like every day was was a carbon copy of the same and we didn't we didn't we didn't have any end in sight what 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 are we aiming towards what are we after and folks when you're just running in place and you don't have any hope for when it's going to end after a while that just becomes the monotony becomes torture well, some of you are trying to live this Christian life and trying to obey God's commands and God's expectations. You're trying to live a life of holiness and of godliness, but, but you, don't, you don't see the end in sight. You forgot. You forgot that there is laid up for all of Christ's followers, as we just heard Tom say, eternal life, the hope. For the nations is Jesus Christ. And it's not a hope in a better world in this place. At least not only, it's a hope in a world that he's going to bring about because the day is coming when the Lord shall descend and with him he will bring the new Jerusalem as his bride, the church, dressed for the groom and they will come together and all will be made new in that place and in that moment. There's a goal out in front of us. There's a hope. But how do we get there? How do we wrap all this up? What are you doing? Are you looking to Jesus? Are you running your race? Are you getting rid of the things that get in the way? At the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, British sprinter Derek Redmond qualified for the semifinal of the 400 meters with the fastest time in his heat. In the semifinal race, Redmond looked very strong, was among contenders for victory. He was an outside shot for the gold medal until he pulled his hamstring. Redmond crumbled to the ground in disappointing defeat for the entire world to watch. Many of you have seen this. Then to the amazement of the onlooking crowd, Redmond got up and he began limping down the back stretch toward the finish line. In obvious agony and heartbreak, Redmond was determined to finish his race. But as he enters the fourth turn, there's a commotion. And there's a commotion because there's somebody fighting his way through the crowd and onto the track. And security's trying to stop this guy, and officials are trying to stop this guy. And this guy's pushing everybody away, and Derek Redmond is telling everybody to leave him alone. He's trying to finish this race, and he's limping on one leg. And Derek Redmond hears somebody call his name. And Derek Redmond knew who called his name because there was only one man that would call his name that way, and it was his father. And y'all, every time I watch the video, I get teary-eyed. And his dad comes up from behind him, and he grabs him. And Derek Redmond said that when my dad got there, I lost all of my emotion. He said, I'd been strong up to that point, but in that moment, the reality of the situation sank in. All of my dreams were dashed. And his dad grabbed him. He said, Son, you're still my champion. And Derek Redmond buried his head on his dad's shoulder and he wept. And his dad helped him hobble through the fourth turn and down the home stretch. You can see Derek Redmond at one point screaming at his dad. I love this. He says, the only time in my life I screamed at my dad and didn't get hit upside the head. He's screaming at his dad, I got to get to lane five because lane five was his lane. He said, I've got to finish in my lane. And his dad arms him up and he carries him across the finish line. What's holding you back? Maybe you have sin in your life or distractions that are keeping you from reaching your potential Maybe you've been caught up trying to run someone else's race. Maybe you've taken your eyes off the prize. All those things may be true. It may be that you've just gotten lazy in your Christian walk. And you need to dig into Jesus. (laughs) This is the best part of this sermon, though. Because some of you right here are feeling really beat up by this message and are saying, is that all you got? Because some of you are saying, Craig, I feel like I've done all those things. And my life is still really hard. What about running the race when I'm doing all the things you told me to do? Then what do I do? See, there's probably somebody here who's done all the right things. You've tried to keep your eyes on Jesus, but life just seems hard. You're beat up, you're not sure if you're going to make it. You ready? What do you need to do? Look around, look over. You've not been forgotten. And you've not been forsaken. See, Hebrews 12 begins with this statement about this great cloud of witnesses. And and it talks about, it's pointing us back to Hebrews 11, that great hall of faith. But can I tell you that it wasn't their faith that saved them? It was the object of their faith. It was the God of their faith. And it was the God of their faith who saved them at times when they couldn't hold on. It's the God of our faith who holds on to us when we let go. It's the God of our faith who doesn't let us down. It's our God who will carry us across the finish line. It's the God who fights for us. So some of you, maybe it's not that you haven't done enough. Maybe it's time you stop. Drop your pride and lean into Jesus. He has not left you. We'll finish right here. I watched an interview with Derek Redman this week, and uh, he said, I I knew it was my dad. He said, because for all my life, he had always been there. On those cold winter mornings, shivering at the track with a cup of coffee in his hand, cheering for me every step of the way. He's my greatest fan. And I knew his voice. John chapter 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But Jesus goes on and he says, what? He says, but I've come. I'm the good shepherd. And my sheep hear my voice and they know me. He goes on and he says, and those whom the Father has given me are mine and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Can I urge you this morning, if the race seems too hard for you to run, If you've tried everything else, can I urge you this morning to listen? Do you know his voice? He knows your name. He hasn't forgotten you. He's already overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave because he loves you. And there is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of Christ. Pastor Adam's going to be inside this morning. Pastor Buster's out of town this week. If you're indoors this morning or if you're out here, you say, I'm tired. And I've trusted in me for far too long, and I need Jesus. I'd love to pray with you. Pastor Adam, pray with you. Perhaps this morning you should just say, I haven't done the things that I know I need to do. I've allowed the weight of the world to cling to me and it slowed me down. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're even here today and you say, Craig, I've never had anybody that would fight for me. I've never had anybody love me like that. But today, I want to know a God who would love me enough to never let me go. If that's you today, in any of those ways or any other way that we might be able to pray for your counsel with you. We want to do that this morning because God loves you and he's not forgotten you. Stand with us. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Father, I pray that there be somebody here today who needs to know a God who will fight for them. That Father, they would meet you today.